Oh, I should probably change my background. So, hello everyone. I believe uh, we are live, we are uh, global with uh, one of the other installments on potentials of e-commerce that actually is the uh, eighth one in the series. And this is also the second one that we are talking about ChatGPT or generally GPT, uh, Palm and other type of large language models. Uh, I mean, in general and in particular for e-commerce and we have a uh, uh, Nishan with us, and we talk about it, uh, about uh, uh, several interesting uh, things about it. But I think uh, let's, uh, and uh, please uh, feel free to ask if you have any questions or comments, you can ask at YouTube in particular or LinkedIn. These are the places that you can ask and we'll be happy to answer. You can just put the comments. Uh, I will also check uh, and some others like Instagram, but these two probably would be the best. But we are live and global on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and LinkedIn. Okay, so I think without further delay, let's uh, talk with uh, Nishan. So we want to just maybe give some recap of the things that we discussed previous time, and then we can go to new stuff. Yeah, thank you. <clears throat> um... Good morning, evening, afternoon, everyone. Thank you again for joining us for another session of Monetization Monthly. Uh, we're continuing our conversation on large language models, gener uh, generative AI, and how kind of it's captured the world by storm recently. In our last installment, uh, CatGPT uh, had just come out. Uh, Microsoft had just very recently announced their uh, interest in, in kind of stake into it and uh, Google was nowhere in the picture. Since then, uh, a lot has happened. Uh, GPT-4 uh, has come out and uh, people have interacted with that for a few weeks now. Uh, Google has just kind of recently announced uh, Palm 2 as well, which is uh, their uh, response to GPT-4 and uh, provides a lot of similar capabilities uh, a, in addition to kind of extended tokens. Uh, we had barely just started talking about what LLMs are, uh, common forms in regards to how they're trained uh, and uh, uh, what this could potentially mean for e-commerce. Uh, now we get to dive in a lot deeper into the different uh, uh, areas that these models have made progress in so far. So. Uh, thank you again. Excited for this conversation. Uh, yes, I mean, uh, thanks for the actually summary. So I think yeah. So I think let's uh, start. Uh, I mean, a little bit about the LLMs. So I think if we put it, uh, so this kind of language models they have existed essentially before, and generally these are some kinds of things that they are probabilistic methods that. Token by token, they try to generate a sentence, and of course, that sentence can be a paragraph or maybe a text essentially. And I think the novelty that happened somehow in ChatGPT uh, 
I mean, maybe the models were there and this kind of language model that people consider it for years, I think. But the issue, I think the miracle happened in a sense that these sentences, now you can actually by token by token, you can generate a full sentence that has a meaning. And also you can put several of these sentences together and they form a text. And in addition, I think the prompt engineering, the prompt, I think that is another thing that somehow perpendicular to this, or maybe, I mean, not completely perpendicular, but uh, it's a different aspect that the people can ask. And this, when you say something that actually can understand and do some additional text operation on the text that you are giving. I think that's also another amazing thing. Lots of writers, lawyers, I don't know, uh, doctors and others, if you, you want to write something, you can just use this one essentially to improve your own text essentially. And somehow the idea of this is that, uh, I mean, like you can think about that, uh, like you are writing a sentence yourself, but you may not use the best word, but in ChatGPT, in some sense, it is like some Google search engine that it goes through all, um, these are like, it is generally trained on the all data in the internet, this like text and websites, etc. And then it uh, learns essentially that what is the best sentence or what is the best words that you can use it. So sometimes you will give some words to that and actually can rewrite it in a much better way because it optimizes essentially not on my knowledge, say, by the knowledge of the whole world in some sense and the best sentences that exist there. So the quality of this actually becomes much better and much smoother. So that's somehow the elements. And I think the idea here is that, of course, the whole idea is that here we are talking about a text and this kind of, and I think we discussed previous times, these are somehow generalization of word to vec type of things that was there so that you are, uh, this is, I mean, some of this escapegram or others essentially that was there to generate the next uh, word or finding similar word, but these are the next levels of them. Uh, but the good thing, I mean, the same thing that we talk also about the word to vec, uh, that currently this kind of embedding is used for almost everything, graph to vex, product to vex. I mean, that's the thing that we use in a lot of uh, e-commerce and retailers. I don't know, note to vex and lots of other things that everything will be essentially vectorized and embedded. So the same thing now happening with LLM. So, so far we talk about the text. And again, word to vec is was essentially the original thing was to embed the words essentially for this kind of natural language models. Uh, or uh, like a NLP stuff. Now, and after that, it has been uh, essentially used for lots of other applications that anything that you can embed it, like product, like items in a company or anything essentially else. But uh, the same thing now is happening for LLMs. Now, first we are starting with some text, which is already very useful as this kind of uh, nice text that we can generate. But the question is that this is not uh, only this, you can think about programs. Of course, some of them are ChatGPT is already doing that. Some actions, uh, I mean, or some queries, I think we will talk about it in particular about the uh, uh, AutoGPT and uh, Langchain that we can briefly discuss them. These are some new uh, popular open source things that we are talking about them. So this is the idea that how much we can use that and uh, for other applications. And then, I mean, near the end, I will actually talk about some more philosophical things, essentially some of these letters that, uh, for example, written by, uh, I mean, at least signed by lots of uh, people famous in AI that we should delay for six months, and then Jeff Hinton's uh, letter. And there are some other things that uh, we will discuss about actually sleep dreams and other things, some other works that I'm doing actually on that one. These are actually interesting things. 
philosophical, so for everyone to um, think about it. Uh, good. So uh, do you want to add anything? Uh, yeah, I, I think uh, maybe like the kind of structure we can approach this conversation with is like, uh, let's maybe dive in a little bit into what's happened in, in the recent uh, improvements, uh, particularly around prompting and kind of these open source libraries you mentioned. Uh, let's also kind of take a little bit of a dive into retail and what's happening there. It's a very interesting Wendy's uh, partnership with Google that's been announced recently. Uh, and then we can get into the more philosophical topics. So, uh, yes, I think the philosophical would be for the end. I think that we can <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, stay tuned essential for this one. But also, I think we want to talk a little bit about this kind of the training, fine tuning versus uh, multimodal, like multimodal yeah, fine tuning versus prompt engineering, etc. I think, yeah. Yeah, so. Want to start uh, with that? Maybe I think we can talk a little bit more technical and LLMs that I give some introduction for that. Then we will go for the other more technology and then at the end for philosophy. Sounds good. So uh, I think. Uh, the thing I've seen recently is um, there's been a, so previously, like uh, our last conversation, what we were seeing is people were discovering a lot of the possibilities of just prompting these language models and getting reasonable enough responses. Now that people have had a chance to dive in a little bit deeper, uh, what we've seen is, uh, you know, the, the prompt itself makes a huge difference in terms of the output that you get from these models. And so the, I think this is probably the fastest rising uh, uh, job uh, you know, industry, at least uh, uh, in, in tech is prompt engineering, right? The, 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 your expertise in terms of how you're defining these prompts that go into language models make a huge difference in regards to the output that you get. So uh, in that regard, uh, a big, piece has been, uh, and actually like, uh, so that's one end of the spectrum going from, you know, doing nothing like a zero shot prompt to getting better at the prompt itself, but still being zero shot. And uh, they're finding ways to create uh, a multi-shot within the prompt itself. You're going to say something on this? Uh, yeah. So uh, I, I think, I mean, prompt generally, uh, it means that the question that we are asking from this chat GPT or other things or Bard or I don't know, uh, Bing and other stuff. And this is the thing that we are answering. And the, I think the main challenge here is that that somehow this model should understand what I'm talking about and try to do some actions on that. And that's the meaning of the uh, prompt engineering essentially is that uh, like better, uh, like understand better essentially the question that the people ask and right. can take actions on them. Right. Is there, so is this a correct yeah, definition? Yeah, it's essentially the input you provide, the query you provide to the language model uh, to get the response that you're looking for, right? So, so to me, there's like a spectrum of how much effort uh, you undertake in terms of getting these uh, language models to provide what you're looking for, right? So on the other end of the spectrum is your, uh, maybe you're training these models from scratch. So uh, that's very high effort, uh, very unlikely that unless you're a really large institution heavily involved in this area, that you would go all the way to building a new set of model. So the next set of things that people have been doing is fine tuning on top of these existing models. Now there've been APIs available uh, with OpenAI itself. Uh, Google provides these capabilities as well. Lots of uh, research out there in terms of how you can uh, fine tune on top of these existing models. But even that has been challenging uh, from a 
performance perspective, uh, we've seen the most effective models right now are, you know, like uh, over billions of parameters in terms of size. So even being able to find the compute resources like and and memory resources to load these models up and perform those computations are quite challenging. So uh, that uh, sorry, uh, this is the one that we call it fine tuning essentially. Exactly. So maybe Thank this you. is the I think we have the original training as I think like four trillion data or something like this some range like this that you need to train this one I think by some kind of I think like seven pages uh, these are like the epoch uh, no, I mean this is the size that they are giving and um, and they are essentially training this data that's a huge one I think that needs a lot of money then it is the fine tuning that somebody has trained this one can we do more on that and get essentially some maybe optimize a little bit parameters that's essentially the fine tuning and I think the last but not least one is the one that these are the questions that the people ask and you want to understand and answer based on that that would be the prompt engineering exactly and so like one thing that's been very recent uh, like interesting recently is like there's been a number of approaches that kind of reduce the performance characteristics that are required for you to be able to fine tune on these models so like two things you know I think that are really attractive currently is one is few shot learning within the prompt itself. So in the prompt, you can teach the language model to behave a certain way. Uh, you know, you can you can kind of provide examples of what you're looking for, um, and then and then ask a prompt based on that. A common example of this is like uh, doing math. So uh, these language models have been uh, fairly poor in terms of doing uh, mathematical responses. But uh, one of the bigger advancements that came about is like giving it an example of reasoning itself. Uh, like if you wanted to calculate a simple example, how many apples do I have, right? If, if Dr. Muhammad gives me five apples, I already have 10 apples, um, how many do I get? If you if you help the uh, uh, the language model with an example of the calculation itself before asking the query, uh, you get a huge lift in performance. So so that kind of brings us, you know, like we don't need to necessarily touch the model, uh, but it still allows us to customize it for our needs. On the other uh, so side, I I, if yeah. I want to, uh, uh, sorry, yeah, if I want to add to this one, so this is some kind of, we can say that some kind of inductive learning that you are giving example by example, such as learn, and you can think about this one. This is also interesting because you have some language models. So some of this has been trained essentially for the all world, say for some all text, but you may want to do or some all programs that exist in the world, and you want to somehow fine tuning for your own application for your own codes. So in some sense that you can think about that way that I mean, you will download some of these models, maybe you don't change it, but you want to give more of your type of questions that you have it in your uh, company and train it based on this one. So I think this is the same thing that you mentioned is LLMs behave the way that you want more exactly. based on the data that you have it. So in some sense, this is the data that we will try to put it. And this, you don't need to change the original models and that's very costly actually, but how can we do it through prompts essentially and change it a slightly much cheaper way and exactly. get the result that we want. Exactly. So now if we get a little bit more sophisticated than just that, we're finding that like, how do you augment these language models with your internal source of data? Um, oftentimes, like for examples where it may not be practical for you to kind of retrain these models, uh, you can still uh, 
set up a retrieval task as part of your chain of prompts. What do I mean by that, right? So if, uh, if let's say you have an, an agent AI that you want uh, interacting with a human. So based on its interaction with the human, you might get a set of uh, a, a, a paragraphs like language context that you can use uh, within your internal retrieval systems, uh, get back the set of responses from that and then use that to then uh, provide a uh, few shot prompting for your query then onto your language model uh, so that you can provide it with more information and ask it to further process it, right? Yeah, so so in, uh, I think, let me say my understanding yeah, on this one. So in some sense, you can say that, I mean, this is the LLM that are there. You cannot, I mean, change the training, etc. This it is somehow written in a stone. It's very expensive. Yeah. Now the question is that I mean this is the I think this is somehow the the way again to the same thing that we have. You have your own data. Say maybe you want to write some text, essentially some book, something like. You are adding the text there. So the question is that I mean this text, and you are making some queries based on that. The question is that I mean you may want to essentially learn from these queries, etc. Somehow this is, you want, I want to say this is maybe the second language. The first one is the LLM language that you have. And this is some language that you interact, right. some kind of prompt that you are talking about it. This is the, somehow the second language. You want to have some kind of compiler that when somebody asks question, change it essentially to the prompt that uh, this LLM understands better and essentially ask LLM to provide this input plus the data that you have it and you give it essentially the best things to the user. Exactly. Am I right? Yeah, exactly. And and even amongst this, right, there, there could be multiple different ways you integrate your internal retrieval or like search engines with the LLMs, right? Like you can imagine creating multiple like subtasks that maybe the LLM is better suited for or like helping making the LLM find appropriate suitable queries that feed into your retrieval system or maybe leverage the information there better uh, to get its output. So uh, an example, like Langchain is a publicly info, like available open source library that allows you to compose multiple of these prompts together. So uh, it's got, gained a lot of popularity recently and people are using it to kind of compose uh, multiple of these kinds of queries together. So very, very ex exciting from that perspective. Um, now, if that still doesn't kind of satisfy your needs, and you want to train on your specific data, but you don't have the resources uh, needed to train these large set of models. There's also been very interesting research uh, in a general uh, area that's, that's being called uh, LoRa, which is LoRank adaptation of large language models. So essentially this is a training method that accelerates the training of these models with consuming less memory. So what it essentially does is like it's it it preserves the weights of the models as it stands, adds a few like much smaller set of new weights and trains those weights. And that's found to uh, provide very promising results as well. So you know the previous trains uh, trained kind of weights are frozen. Um, the rank decomposition matrices that are introduced, which is essentially the update matrices you're creating, uh, they have significantly fewer parameters. Uh, 
and they're added to the specific like uh, uh, attention layers in the original model. So essentially at each layer of the stack, you're just adding a few variables that you can then fine tune. And uh, what uh, this research so shows is that um, uh, two things. One is like these models are providing really interesting, very, very promising results. Uh, to the order of like they're coming close to fine tuning. And two, they're able to be trained on very commercially available consumer GPUs uh, versus like previously fine tuning would require multiple like large GPUs. And so you can use some off the shelf, like one single GPU to be able to do LoRa based approaches. So um, I think this is just the tip of the iceberg. Like this approach is going to see rapid development in the coming yeah. months. Uh, great. So I think, uh, let me, I mean, just, uh, I think maybe it is good for the um, people. So I think the current one, I mean, the one particular open source language model, I think this is the one that leaked from Facebook, uh, correct? That's the, yeah. the uh, Lama, if I remember the name. Lama, yeah. yeah. So uh, Lama is the, I think this is the one that you can use it. And I think lots of people are using that uh, as far as I know for this one. Yeah, there's been like very uh, interesting uh, uh, <laughs> approaches on this as well. So from Lama, the, the new, I would say, kind of standard is called Vicuña. Uh, Vicuña is essentially, uh, uh, there's lots of kind of like jargon I'll throw around. Uh, Vicuña is an open source chatbot trained on fine tuning Lama uh, based on data collected from shared GPT. So shared GPT is this open source like uh, uh, a, like Chrome extension essentially that allows you to interact with chat GPT and people are using kind of the responses from there to train a, a chat, you know, chat bot based model uh, uh, on top of Llama uh, called Vicuña. And that's showing a pretty good performance when you compare it to uh, ChatGPT. Is this the one that uh, I think came from Stanford? I believe uh, uh, there was one for the, like the prompt part that was coming. Yeah, actually that's right. Yeah, this this comes from, so the, the team for Vicuña comes from UC Berkeley, CMU, Stanford and UC San Diego. Uh, great. So that's essentially something that, I mean, this is comparable to that. And I think this other model that the people, I think you mentioned, this is like, uh, I think this is another way that these people are uh, thinking, uh, the way that you mentioned for training. So in some sense, you can consider some hyperparameter. So there are like this large number of essentially parameters that are there, but you may sure. not be able to individually essentially change them, but you may consider group them into some essentially small things, and then you will put some weights for them. And these are the new parameters that you are adding it. And as you exactly. mentioned, actually the people can add this parameter. These are some kind of coefficients of those already parameters there. And they still, this is some kind of, I will say hierarchical things you can consider. Lots of parameters are here, but we can have some hierarchies of this parameter. And then for each of them, I put in weights essentially without really any need to change the original change. things, but I can, do that one and whenever I need, I just add this multiplier to the number that I want and essentially exactly get exactly. The the beauty here is like like these are being appended on each of the different layers. So you know you you are still getting that like uh meta level of uh, fine-tuning capabilities. Like uh, you know, one of the early things we saw with uh image uh image deep learning models is like 
the the higher up the more abstract the layers get the the more abstract the concepts that they capture is so with the same analogy here right like even with introducing very small set of parameters you're still getting them from the lowest level of detail to the most abstract uh, forms of detail within your larger kind of like llm context so um yeah, it seems like it's, that's sufficient to capture a lot of kind of domain-specific uh, information uh, that you want to use. Yeah, so I think uh, in that sense, actually, it's a, a very, I mean, a nice thing. So you can, I remember actually the time that um, Google, I had, uh, had um, uh, this kind of deep learning, essentially. They had this idea that actually we can uh, essentially train the model on a very large data. But at the end, the model would be so small that I can deploy it essentially on your cell phone and you can just run it. Your cell phone it just doesn't need to have that big information. Just this model is somehow, I mean, this kind of embedding essentially or a sketch, you will call it. That is enough that I can compute the things that you want essentially and give a good result. Exactly. So in some sense, we are doing the same thing essentially. So here, maybe the number of the, the hierarchy become a bit one more level essentially. We have the huge data that we have it. There are some of these companies, big companies that like Google or like OpenAI or Microsoft, they are actually training on those data. That's a huge thing. And then we get some parameters there and it might be not optimized. I can't say give a good example, probably BART, essentially one of the mm -hmm. things that is working on, I think uh, Palm 1, maybe now Palm 2 is better essentially, but it was not the best things. But anyhow, it is have been trained. And the issue is that this big data, still it is big, even though it's not the original thing, but the number of exactly. parameters is big and it's still expensive. Now can we to have one more model essentially on that? And this one more model essentially puts some kind of hyperparameter or superparameters that control some part of this and we still get a better thing. And again, everything we try to, I want to do it on my own computer. So I don't want to go all there and pay this expensive thing. And then even you go one more thing, and even like about this prompt part, maybe even in the prompt part, even if you need to change something, make it more specific for your own data, mm -hmm. uh, your own language, your own queries, that also you can maybe do it on just the prompt part without even changing the other one. So at multi-layer, the people try to don't pay that much cost of computing while they are improving essentially this for their own needs. Exactly. Like the, the, you know, I remember like the last time uh, we talked about LLMs, like cost was a huge concern. Uh, and this quickly we're seeing like, you know, very, very effective approaches to kind of cutting down on cost. Uh, another kind of uh, access I wanted to also briefly mention here is like, so uh, Meta has released uh, interesting uh, uh, paper on uh, image bind, uh, which is they're capturing um, uh, multi-modalities in their kind of large generative model. Uh, so image bind uh, takes in textual, audio, uh, depth, heat, and infrared information uh, onto their models. But, you know, there's like multiple different, like video uh, is another really good example, but essentially combining these different kinds of uh, 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 modalities into one model, I think, is is another frontier that's going to see a lot of uh, traction in the coming few months. Uh, for like uh, image bind, they call it like one embedding to bind them all. So uh, this is mostly coming from like the VR AR experience uh, 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 needs, but 
some really interesting things that are coming here is like uh, with uh, with zero shot learning uh, on few shot recognition, these models are performing better than uh, state of the art models trained for those specific tasks themselves. So just adding multiple modalities of information makes you perform even a single modality task better. So said differently, right? Like uh, by adding images to your language models uh, as a source of input, you can improve on a language task itself. You can, you know, uh, uh, you can perform better on a on a classification task like a token classification task better by adding images to your training data without even needing to kind of do much with the image itself. So, like another kind of really fascinating uh, like development, I think, in this space. Yeah, I think uh, that's actually uh, beautiful. So that's the thing I want to give this multimodality. I think a good example would be like this, that you want to essentially create a movie and you have some kind of text that some or some story that is written essentially as a text essentially. So you want to read this one and see, I mean, all the images that you have it, all the parts of the movie that was existing in the past, okay. you may and all the images say, you want to combine all of them into a new movie essentially. And in some sense, I mean, the whole idea that is kind of tokens that we were talking about it. So token can be a word, but at the same time, the token can be also a, a, an image. It can be part okay. of a movie. And this one, you can put them together and then I think bind them in some sense to like when you put some text and some image, probably that or that some this person should talk about that particular text. So in that sense, we can bind this one and get much better or uh, nicer uh, things. And as you mentioned, I think that is interesting because in some sense, it is like leaking of information because we don't uh, like we know that some information from these images or some of these movies or the text they leak into each other so uh, it is exactly these are the things that these kind of complicated uh, models optimizations are doing and uh, then you get a better optimized model in some sense because you have more data to train in some sense. exactly um yeah and i i think that you know takes us to the other thing i wanted to mention was uh around auto gpt right so uh, essentially, what we talked about so far is like, you know, these models are getting faster, they're getting better, they're getting more, more like useful for specific tasks. And with multimodalities, they can consume multiple different kinds of information, uh, uh, which, which makes them extremely capable to be able to interact in the human world uh, in a much more native form. And so like uh, auto GPT is one of these kind of efforts. Uh, this is an open source like project again. Uh, and I'll just kind of read out the description that they have. Uh, auto GPT is an experimental open source application showcasing the capabilities of GPT-4 language model. Uh, so this program driven by GPT-4 chains together LLM thoughts to autonomously achieve whatever goal you set. Um, so essentially, you know, uh, this kind of like, this is, I think, philosophically trying to push the boundary from like what these models are capable. So like you can assign it the highest order of tasks. For example, I want to go on a fun vacation with my family without you know, like, uh, give me the itinerary, right? So it, it has the capability or you can structure it in a way where, you know, the first prompt you ask GPT might be like, 
okay, what are the steps I need to take, right? I need to book airline ticket. I need to book hotel reservations, blah, blah, blah. So break it out down into multiple tasks. And once these tasks get specific enough, uh, AutoGPT introduces plugins that allow you to execute uh, in the environment based on these. So one example with this travel booking thing might look like, um, the first step is like, okay, book an airline ticket. Maybe it calls out to the Google flights or you know particular airlines API to make a reservation on your behalf based on this itinerary that it said. Second, it may then send out a, a calendar invite on your calendar so that you're aware of this. It might then book the hotel. And as you can imagine, you know, as more of these integrations kind of uh, exist on the platform, uh, they start interacting more natively with the environment. Yeah, great. So I think uh, these are, I mean, some of these things that we have this new technology since the last time that we talked about the uh, image bind essentially by Facebook. And this, uh, I think uh, this uh, line chain that is essentially understand better the queries, essentially this kind of translator to better language uh, or language that LLMs can understand, possibly get some feedback from LLMs because these LLMs are a smart thing. These are not just some kind of a, I mean, it's not just some kind of dumb thing. They can also help you to even have a better query things. And I think the last but not least is uh, this uh, auto GPT. And that's actually uh, another, uh, that's a very interesting thing. Uh, I want to add a little bit more to auto GPT, but I think another one that actually, I think it's a new one about this vendor launch. I think that is especially has some applications for uh, retail that we are talking about essentially e-commerce and retail. I think we want to talk a little bit about uh, this uh, vending launch. Then we, I want to add something for uh, uh, AutoGPT, which is related to other things that we are talking. About. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, now switching kind of to to more retail centric conversation, right? Uh, Wendy's just announced uh, uh, order taker AI chatbot uh, in collaboration with Google. So essentially, the idea is idea is you drive up. Uh, to a Wendy's just like you would in a drive-through, uh, but instead of interacting with a human that's taking your order, you can now interact with an AI that's able to take your order and process it. Uh, they just announced this uh, in partnership with uh, Google. I don't know which exact uh, stalls you can find them at, but um, you know this seems like a very, very kind of uh, like specific poignant application in the retail space of these LLMs. Any, any thoughts on this? Yeah, I think in some sense, I mean, I was actually needed to call <laughs> LG for a washer. They have the same thing. They say, oh, I'm a smart essentially, but you can talk to me. In some sense, this kind of thing exists, but nowadays maybe the people try to bypass them. But this company that this comes become more smarter essentially, you need to, they are forcing you to talk with these guys. I think that's probably the trend because they were this kind of thing. They didn't quite understand you. I think maybe there is a still, I mean, some of this, uh, I mean, they, about the understanding the language or accent that might be there, but mm -hmm. you may force actually as these things become better. I think the, probably the main problem is the accent part or the, uh, still I think maybe these are not perfect in understanding what I'm talking about, but like even at Google, for example, we talk in a YouTube and it put essentially some of these um, captions, but the captions are not exactly the thing that we are saying. It's, like in terms of accent, I think this is probably the most important barrier because as long as if we can, they can resolve this issue, then the rest of it essentially can be done by these uh, things like something like ChatGPT and others, they can handle it very well. I think the main part here is the bottleneck actually is this 
understanding the accent and uh, the way that mm -hmm. you are talking. But after that, uh, as you mentioned, so this is the one that they can do it. And probably more and more, they are improving on this part, understanding people better and go more and more towards this way that you are just talking with the bots essentially, no human things, and that they are essentially removing uh, jobs. Is there anything else? I mean, I think the Wendy launch in some sense that they are working with Google, they make it maybe more prominent in that sense, but at the same time, the same story that lots of other things are using and probably they will uh, essentially shift more toward this talking with bots instead of humans. Yeah, I think, you know, a few different threads I want to pull on here. Um, uh, first one is like, uh, I think, uh, yeah, so the a quote from like Wendy's CIO is like, uh, he mentions that this bot is at least as good as their best customer service representative, and it's probably on average better. So, you know, my interpretation is like, um, this bot interacts better than the average uh, customer service representative at Wendy's. Um, so, uh, and then, yeah, previously kind of, you'd mentioned like always wanting to get to the agent because like over years and years and years, we've had to kind of uh, deal with really painful uh, menus of interaction, which just end up as being kind of gates and barriers before you can actually accomplish like what you want when you're calling a specific business, right? But these uh, uh, language models allow you to kind of bypass that and, and have a much richer conversation with an AI, which hopefully translates to the specific action that you need to take itself. And uh, like one, if, if you broaden that out, right? Like one direction we're potentially headed to is like, um, la like language models or, or like English language or like whatever your native language being the interface for uh, multiple kinds of things, right? So if you, if, 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 uh, you know, AI is able to kind of hold this conversation with you, figure out like what you want to order and take that order, and 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 uh, as we mentioned before, like if it's able to take an action on your behalf based on that inter interaction, like uh, there's lots of different kinds of actions that they can take. We've seen like a lot of progress on code generation capabilities of these models as well. So you know, soon maybe like we it'll suffice for us to just describe the kinds of things we want to achieve in a broad set of like human language itself. And AIs take on the load of that interpretation, uh, uh, going from you know the the broad specific like language to a very specific set of coded uh, 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 information for the action they need to take. Uh, great, and I think we will see more and more of these things. So uh, I think that's actually it is interesting thing. So this, if you consider this NLP, I will say that's actually mother of lots of advancement on AI. Because even if you think about the deep nets, the people knew about the deep nets. But the, one of the most advanced things was this kind of NLP that they showed that actually with deep nets you can get much better results. I think that was around. 2008 or 2010 or something like this. And that was the case. Then it comes to this word to work. Again, we had it starting with this word that, I mean, you can this paper essentially from Google that shows that actually you can embed the word and get very meaningful information. And now we are talking about LLMs. And in all of this, first it was NLP essentially. Then it comes the other applications. Like in and like DeepNet for everything, uh, this word to work, product to work and essentially mm. everything to work. 
And the last one is LLM. And I think that somehow the concept of all of them is this one. It is somehow this kind of, we had this kind of feature engineering in ML that we try to find the features. And it is hard to, what are the important features? All of this, they try to essentially get this data, embed it into some space, and then put some weights. And these are this kind of the dimensions become the important, uh, they all have their own weights. And that these are somehow the features that we couldn't understand it well, but the computer can put all of this and do lots of computation to find what are this information. So in some sense, at the end, is some kind of embedding. But of course, once we have this embedding is computed by some companies or us, which is very expensive, then the question that what else we can do it. And this embedding, it can be done for everything. Now I want to go actually to this uh, auto uh, GPT and uh, essentially the, this question. So as you mentioned, uh, auto GPT is a very good one because now it can take actions. And mm -hmm. uh, you can just do, for example, if you want to go to some travel, actually can do all of this. I want to go there, it books the ticket, finds the cheapest price ticket for you. You may talk even with your, uh, like, uh, my calendar, uh, my wife's calendar as well, mm -hmm. and send an email if she can just has one maybe meeting there, can cancel that. You can do all of this. I'm just essentially the secretary for me that can do the, and it's a very smart secretary. That, and again, like this is, I think this is the main difference between us and ChatGPT. We may, we might be very smart, but uh, like at the end, this is the data that we have it. And but ChatGPT is getting the data over all essential place in the world, and of course that is like the this is the whole concept of uh, uh, like a much much uh, uh, different or much much stronger if you get the data over all world because then you can optimize on lots of other parameters. And I think uh, this is uh, another uh, two things that are coming. One is actually this uh, power of this AI. That uh, I think this is the one that uh, these are these letters came recently. One I think was several I mean, prominent AI people. They they were mentioning that okay we should wait maybe for six months for that. I think that was I don't know how uh, useful this. I mean they were talking I don't know Elon Musk or others they were signing this. But I said maybe they are like they are behind the things that they want to just catch up. That was <laughs> the thing. So I don't know whether six months can change anything essentially. Uh, but there was other letter, actually, this uh, uh, letter by uh, Jeff Hinton, who got actually a, a Nobel Prize because of uh, this is like, I think they call it Godfather of AI. I don't know, I mean, mm -hmm. like the correct things or not, but he has uh, surely have done a lot, uh, essentially, to contribute a lot to this deep learning stuff. Uh, and then he mentioned that he actually regretted that he has worked in this area. And he's thinking now the danger and he resigned from Google such that he can speak up essentially about this. And it was the New York Times, all other places. And there are some things that I wanted to mention from this that actually the, so it, it, and this comes again to the nice <laughs> question that everyone asks whether I lose my job or not. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that we are doing as a human, as I mentioned, we try to, we are in some sense, and this is also, it is related to the other thing that I want to say, so that we are working on some research about sleep dreams, which is actually very related to this as well. So uh, as a human, in some sense, uh, we are uh, doing very similar things that ChatGPT is doing. Uh, but, but there are some things which are different. You can think also this example, for example, a bird, I mean, was flying. And we mm -hmm. saw that for a long time. And then maybe, I don't know, 100, 200 years ago that we could actually could fly. And now we are flying actually much faster with much mm -hmm. more weight from birds. 
exactly the same way that birds are flying, but we got the ideas from them. I think in some sense, ChatGPT is something like this as well. So this is, what does it do? Essentially get the idea of this neuralness, the way that we have mm. it, and it's try to train on the data the same way that we are training, but probably the way that all neural nets are a bit different from that, but that doesn't matter because it, no one says that the one that we have in our brain is optimal. Mm -hmm. This may work better because it can optimize, it can use lots of compute things that we don't have actually that in our body. So mm -hmm. it is already improvement, even in terms of compute. The other thing is that not only can do this one, now it can get the data of the whole world and mm -hmm. experience of the whole world and optimize on that one, which is mm -hmm. much, much stronger. No human can claim that it's like smarter than the whole world. Mm -hmm. And so that's another aspect that actually has been added. I think the third thing is the one that uh, Jeff mentioned, and it is actually very important. One other real barrier for us is that, I mean, in some sense, you can see the whole, I mean, evolution was something like this. I mean, we started from bacteria, then these are this DNA or genes that we could essentially give the information to the next generation. And then we could essentially speak and we could write. And then we could, through books, we could give it. Now we have essentially computers then they can get lots of data. And then we have the web that we have, everything it is on the web in some sense. Mm -hmm. And we have a lot of information. And of course, these are all uh, languages. I mean, like the words that we have. Now, uh, this data that we have it, now with this uh, uh, data, now we have the whole world. But uh, one important thing is that copying. So in some sense, we are doing the easiest thing in computer is just to copy paste. This is so, I mean, like everything just copy paste. And even nowadays, I think you don't have that special icon for copy paste. You don't need to even <laughs> control C, control V or something like that. This is exactly that actually humans or some kind of biological creatures have issues with that because they cannot be copied easily. So mm -hmm. if I have anything like Einstein, I mean, can we maybe create several Einstein and they work essentially on different environment and essentially improve the thing? We couldn't, uh, we cannot create this. And that was a big barrier. Mm -hmm. I think the main thing that he mentioned is that no, we don't have that barrier because you have this program, you will just, all information you may have, you may generate essentially, I don't know, 10,000 bots. Each of mm -hmm. them go to the different environment. Mm -hmm. They get essentially some information just in a just in a uh, less than I don't know nanosecond. All of them have the information on all of them. So that is like very scary in some sense because now you can learn and you can essentially uh, somehow transfer the knowledge much much faster than the so, one that we could do it there. And that's the thing that actually makes the life uh, much uh, I mean harder for humans. Mm -hmm. This is like the part that I want to go a little bit more to the, I mean, this kind of uh, uh, philosophical thing. And in particular, for example, you want to say that which job essentially the ones that will be preserved, which mm -hmm. job essentially will go away. One thing is that, okay, maybe that, I don't know, the lawyers, the doctors and others, these are like, or like project managers, for example, <laughs> lots of this can be done. Like auto GPT that you mentioned, it can do actually lots of them. You don't maybe need the product manager or, uh, like the other type of uh, uh, a program manager or something likes to do that because ChatGPT can do, uh, I mean, this kind of auto GPT can actually do all of this. Uh, one thing that also, this is like the first things, but then the other parts that are coming, they say I'm working on mathematics. So I'm proving deeper stuff. 
these are the things that so far they have been uh, essentially not that great in it, as you mentioned. We, as you mm -hmm. mentioned, essentially, we try to have some kind of inductive example for them, such that they learn more and more there. Still, we are not there, but I assume that also they will learn like in the next 10, 20 years, maybe sooner, essentially, yeah. this information. The other one that people say, oh, that's the other thing that maybe I'm safe if I'm a plumber, if I'm an electrician. Mm -hmm. That's the thing that I'm safe, essentially. <laughs> and because they cannot do it. Sometimes it is correct because our progress on the robots probably has not been that much comparing the one that we had it with the other stuff. Because, for example, I mean, this fact that I mean, my finger can sense something, this, we don't have this type of things yet. But again, we should not be that much proud of this because some of these things uh, actually it might be not relevant. So mm -hmm. you may think about, I want to do plumbing. So why do you need plumbing? Because you need water, essentially. Mm -hmm. But the robot does not need any water, essentially. <laughs> if it needs some kind of energy, it can actually get it directly from the sun. So this is right. exactly the thing that Bert's thing that I have mentioned with this airplane, that we can right. fly, but we don't need to do exactly the same thing that is doing that. So this plumbing job, it may go away, actually, because mm. there might be, if there are all these kinds of robots, maybe we don't need that much plumbing. Even actually the other thing that was very interesting that you mentioned, this image buying, what does it do? You may think about why a plumber essentially can do something that we cannot do. It. Of course, some sensing or something that is important mm -hmm. and some creating something that they can do that, but uh, like they can do a stuff. But the issue about the plumbing is that actually this can be much easier because we don't have the data. The data that we have generally are the text data. That's exactly the thing that natural language are generally the first thing to do that. But say, if we have actually some kind of cameras that any lots of plumbers in the world, the thing that they are doing, we take all the things essentially, this exactly the images of what will happen essentially. Yep. Then you just give this one to this one, it learns what are the steps that it needed to do. That. Yep. So that would be very similar to this auto GPT, but of course yep. we need to create some kind of robots that they can do exact operations that is needed, then they can actually do these things. So the first thing is that even if we are doing something with the hand, it may look complicated. That it, this is not safe. Maybe first, maybe there is no need to that if the robots essentially become dominant. And the right. second thing is that even that you can train it. We didn't collect those data. Generally, this is the case. So World to Vec came essentially. We didn't have this, uh, like, because the history, again, the language we had it, the text, we could do it. But then the people have done it for product to make. What did we, mm -hmm. what they have done is they have just the, the sequence of the a user is coming, clicking on something. They say, oh, this is the data. I have lots of them. Let's train this. No, no I can't get lots that. of it, essentially. Yeah, exactly. So uh, that's essentially that the fact that we don't have the data, if we said it is useful, and this is the actions, these actions are, you can just bake it, I mean, anything that a plumber is doing, you can make it to a small, a small actions, a small tokens, and you will put after yep. one after the other and essentially do it very nicely that. So do you want to add something? I think yeah, I think, I think uh, like lots of really interesting things, right? Like the, I, the gist, and I do agree with this, is like, it, it's, to me, not obvious what jobs would get replaced or necessarily change. I think we're just kind of starting to see the start of what that would look like. Like one example is like Chegg's stock price went down drastically because, um, uh, and, and they provided kind of like a heads up that uh, their upcoming quarters would be softer as well because lots yeah, of sorry, students- which one, uh, which one Chegg, Chegg is essentially, it provides, um, like educational support, educational help for students. And uh, lots of these students have just been going to language models. 
for this. And so like, that's a very obvious area where, you know, like they will provide efficiencies and, and, and maybe less resources are required than uh, less humans are required than originally did. Uh, similar things we heard from like a legal paralegal perspective. Uh, these are extremely laborious mental activities uh, to uh, collate information in particular ways. And, 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 and those are the classic examples of what we've seen kind of these language models uh, provide. Now, uh, kind of just quickly going back to Hinton, uh, he actually quit Google uh, because, you know, he was, he's afraid that there are bad actors who could try to use AI for bad things. So I want to kind of end up in this kind of narrative because like we have human bad actors as well. And like what differentiates an AI bad actor from a human actor? I'd love to kind of talk about that. But before we get there, um, uh, like one of the other founders of AI, uh, Minsky, right? Like a lot of uh, how he went down the path of building like perceptrons and all that stuff was because he tried to hu mimic human action uh, when it came to um, like how to develop these like artificial beings. And uh, his famous experiment was kind of the hand that uh, it can pick up as naturally as, as a human can. And he found lots of complexities there in terms of being able to do it, but you could argue with like all the advancements now, like maybe that's not as challenging of a task to take anymore. And to your point, like th th there's a very tight feedback loop uh, available there, right? That's uh, one of the things that makes humans capable is like we're learning in the context of the environment itself based on the actions we take. And we fine tune ourselves based on the actions. Like if it doesn't work today, like we kind of uh, do it tomorrow and that process accelerates over time. Uh, our neurons are kind of like fine tuned to uh, taking on specific kinds of actions. Now, uh, to, again, to I think one of the like uh, potential dangers we run into that I see is like, um, if, if there are these core models, core generative models at the heart of everything, uh, the amount of variation that comes out of them is probably fairly limited. Uh, and, and so like all things converge to very similar kinds of actions. And this is something we've seen in e-commerce all the time. Like positional bias is a massive problem for us, you know, and, and like, Maybe at this point, the research is like 10 years back, uh, but uh, lots of interesting research in terms of how do you de-bias things that you showed the customer? Like uh, when a customer buys something, how do you know? It's because they interestingly wanted that specific thing versus you showed it up top. So your platform's value translated to the customer making this choice. Uh, and that, had, that has implications in e-commerce for, you know, if you chose uh, uh, brand A versus brand B, like the brand A is going to do much better, right? So I think the same kinds of like challenges are going to show up from uh, uh, LLM perspective as well. You mentioned like these models can in nanoseconds learn from each other and gather the context. Uh, but uh, like one thing in nature, uh, th there are examples of uh, cloning or copy pasting in uh, nature as well, right? Like lots of cell division happens from this cloning uh, process, but selective 
uh, uh, selective kinds of uh, generations evolve based on a difference, like the the cell. Uh, and th this is, I mean, as far as our kind of science theory tells us, this is the fundamental basis for why uh, male and female are created to be able to kind of create variation in the gene pool and create variation in the species so that we can kind of learn and evolve towards this um, you know, better optimal situation. So I think a question there will be like, how do we then create that level of variation with these um, AIs? And, and, and maybe it's like, um, just, I don't know if, if, you know, plants when they produced oxygen thought uh, what they were uh, creating is this next set of species that are then going to, uh, exercise a lot more control over uh, them as a species, right? And, and maybe the uh, interpretation of what control is, you know, is fundamentally different as well. And, and, and maybe like what satisfies, you know, maybe plants are happy enough to breed regardless of whether they're in a tight, like, like line or just kind of scattered around, right? Like, like we, we don't know about those things, but I think, um, like where does this lead us down? Like how many, you know, how many humans will there exist? And and maybe like a, a natural function of this, like we're, we're already seeing kind of population levels decline or like at least uh, like uh, birth rates decline uh, pretty much across all of the developed world. Um, so what does that mean in regards to humans kind of uh, with their position right now uh, in the world and, 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 and how does AI is affected? I think it's uh, probably at some point reasonable to believe that uh, uh, like AIs are not going to be strictly controlled by just specific, uh, a specific humans objective. And in fact, us as humans may want to give up certain of this like power to AIs because we know we can codify these biases in a much better form than we do with human systems. So I think like what that integrated world looks like might might be quite different from what we imagine today. And 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 maybe you know we want to exist in that world as well. Yeah. So I mean, I just I want to add a little bit. I mean, this I think a few things that I want to say. It is interesting actually. You know, say but the part of it actually. But this actually some when become philosophy. Then the concept of there are religion, God, etc. And then with our humanity, what's the definition of humanity essentially? But that's interesting. So for example, one of the interesting thing about uh, like I can actually say about the sleep. So there are like the people that believe that essentially in soul, etc. And that essentially state now you can say that eternity and other stuff. And one of the issues about the sleep dreams, essentially, so there is a soul actually that can do these things that I'm thinking, okay, I, I'm sleeping and I see that oh, my father who passed away come talking to me and that stuff. So that's actually interesting. And then we say, oh, this is my soul actually is going to the maybe next world or something like this. Interestingly, this miracle, I will say, in some sense that happened for ChatGPT can explain this thing. This is like a new paper that we are working on it. Uh, because like, in some sense, uh, like the thing, the thing that we are doing in sleep dream is nothing than the thing that is like this kind of large language models. Mm. So in some sense, we, uh, like you just think about ChatGPT is trying to get the data from all over the world. And then now it can optimize to make very nice sentence, essentially, or nice paragraph. So you can think about it something like this. When I'm talking now, I have a control about the brain, about the prompts. But when I sleep, I don't have essentially control. There are some prompts maybe in my today's things, or maybe 10 years 
before something prompts essentially. And then there are some actions, exactly the same thing that we talk about this, uh, uh, like uh, some action, some items, some tokens are happening. And these are exactly, I think this is maybe more toward this kind of image bind that you were talking, that actually some uh, events now happening and some takes happening. And then lots of the time, actually this uh, sleep dream that we are seeing, there's not much meaningful, but once mm -hmm. a while it become actually very meaningful mm -hmm. because it is exactly the thing that happens essentially in this kind of chat GPT before. Before we could generate sometimes some uh, languages some sentences, but lots of the time it was not that good. But now with ChatGPT more optimized things, now we can generate the things. So in some sense, the sleep that I am doing, a sleep dream that I am seeing, is nothing more than the the same neural net or this thing that is just for ChatGPT that just put some events together. Mm. Sometimes becomes meaningful, and I see something. Oh, this was real. I saw my father. But this is just essentially putting this one from lots of this my own past experience, which is much less uh, much less data comparing to ChatGPT. So the chance that it becomes meaningful is less essentially, but mm -hmm. sometimes it becomes meaningful. And so this is like lots of these things happening. Now I want to add actually more to the future of AI. So this is like, if you see this one, so if we just forget about humanity or other things, I don't say that we should do that, but I just want to say that you may think about the whole world is this. So I am here essentially, I'm a human. Uh, okay, I like in some sense, I am a machine essentially that has been built by with certain materials, maybe more water, a little bit iron or other type of metals than others. A robot, a typical thing that we have with more metals in it or more, I don't know, cobalt or others for batteries, etc. Now, interestingly, the, uh, this would be uh, like, so the, the question is that what would be the next generation? And one thing is that, I mean, once a while, after some time, because nowadays, well, first was in language models, then now it is in everything, mm -hmm. like uh, AutoGPT and others. Now, at some point, uh, these computers become smarter than us. And to compete with them, I think that was also, I think Elon Musk probably mentioned that, I mean, you can, I can think at some point that there are some chips should come in our mind, essentially, that helps us essentially to work yeah. this thing and optimize this thing. And, uh, by the way, this is not very scary because already it is there. So there are like, now they are doing operations. For example, if like the people becomes old and have a knee problem, they will take all the knees out and they will put metal there. So <laughs> it is already somehow the combination of uh, me and metal is already there. <laughs> no, it is just a little bit of me. So I think that would be something that I can imagine that for a while, I mean, that would be the combination of like humans, mm -hmm. especially because of these sensations and others that there is still not in robots. A combination of that actually can proceed for a while. Mm -hmm. But at some point they may be replaced essentially. Some of them it might be needed and uh, it might be not needed. And if you think that I'm a machine, the bacteria was a machine and there were, I mean, lots of uh, other animals, they were machines like dinosaurs and they are not there anymore. It might be some creatures, which is a combination of us and these robots mm -hmm. and it has certain materials. That's the one that actually going next time, uh, going essentially continues and evolve. And uh, as you mentioned, I think one of these things that you mentioned that is the danger that I mean, if everything is copied, this is, I think, the danger that everything is like that. But this is the same thing that we are doing generally in neural nets. We try to mute some of these things. Randomly, mm -hmm. we will change some of this data mm -hmm. and we hope that something uh, good happens. So that can be actually the case that at some point, I mean, then would be a combination of uh, humans. And these are all these uh, movies that we have it there. And, but this is some interesting thing can happen actually, because now we cannot go, for example, to Mars or... Uh, 
and other places must think why because we need oxygen if exactly robot does not need any oxygen then if you can just take some of his material take the energy from the sun then you will put it in some kind of rocket ship and then send it to the rest of like i don't know far from the world they can go and they can produce themselves because generally then they generally need something not oxygen is not the main thing mm. for them but this kind of materials cobalt mm. metal stuff and this is mm. almost everywhere so they can go and create so in some sense that you may new think form. about some new form of, I mean, the human or combination of human robots that will form. And they may go, and, and they are, of course, already there. Like Mars, we have uh, Curiosity or other robots that are going there. But they are not that smart that they can create themselves. But they can create such kind of things. And in some sense, that can be the continuation because there's a lot of places in the world that you can go. And in some sense, probably this kind of differences would be there. So the people who are living in Mars might be different a little bit from mm. the people who are living essentially in uh, Earth or other places. So in some sense, these are the different countries now that they are doing all over the place. And they can essentially talk and maybe they still the communication and the issue because we are not that fast to send these mm. robots. So the people who are going much far from us, they may not get the data that fast enough that they can optimize. And maybe they evolve themselves, right? They evolve with that environment and context. That environment, maybe once a while they can come back and essentially copy paste and then go back. (laughs) But in some sense, this is like, you can think about that. This is, I mean, humanity is just, I mean, you can say the animal. I mean, the animals, they say, I mean, we are the animalities. We don't, Mm -hmm. we are not talking about them. Some of them essentially not there anymore, but mm. the rest, they are continuing. So in some sense, that is not that scary if you think about that way, that right. you are just a machine as well, that I can right. talk, I can think. But yeah, if you put, I mean, more religious stuff or this thing that, I mean, this is a soul and this is like a God, and then after that you die, it would be another world, that would be hard to justify this. Mm. But if you consider this one, as not, yeah, this is the thing that is there. I'm there, I'm not. This is the same thing that happens to animals dinosaurs happen to humans or at least some maybe a stronger type of human robots will continue but they mm-hmm. have this process that they can now go to everywhere and essentially well e- even in kind of nature there is a lot of symbiotic relationships that flourish right like uh fungi are like good examples of that like they they work in collaboration you see like with lots of like animals as well you see them like like collaborating together to like foster life and so I don't think it's unreasonable to think that we can come up with that kind of approach with like AI as well. Yeah, I mean, the viruses, for example, these are like the viruses, exactly, these yeah, are the exactly. Things that they are doing that. <laughs> they go attack one thing, essentially, they get the whole thing. So in some sense, right. you can say that these are now, and in some sense, viruses are in some sense uh, robots because they don't have that much brain. At the same time, they're actually very smart things because they can kill lots of things and no one can, they are very small, no one can see that. And when yeah. they go essentially in combination, they can do a lot together. So w- with all of this, right, like one question I wanted to ask you is like uh, the, the, the biggest like scare that people have here is that of bad actors, right? What makes a bad actor uh, you know, and and it's a very broad uh, definition. And like, what might be a way for us to like limit bad actors uh, in this AI space, and maybe you know make them convert them into good actors. Yeah, great. So actually, this is an interesting thing. So because I mean, what is I mean the same thing that Jeff also mentioned that uh, that this is the case. So what will happen? I mean, I can think about some dictators. I mean, and this is like they are these people have more power, more money, or something. They have this essential ability to hire this kind of robots. 
Mm-hmm. And with that, essentially, they try to, they can change the mind of the people. This is like the same kind of bad actor that comes in the Facebook or some other things. They can put anything that they think it is right for them. They will put Interest. it there, essentially. And the people, they argue for that. These robots are currently very strong. They can argue with an average pe- person. They can even pass some exams, very good scores. So they can actually convince people that it's the best for them. Mm-hmm. And then they can keep quiet such that they can get essentially the benefit those guys. So that's, that's the immediate part that may happen. By the way, this is not something that it will come in the future. First, there are currently such kind of bots all over the place, Twitter and others. More than that. So just think about it when you call essentially now companies, I mean, I'll compare with 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Before, I mean, I could call a bank and say, oh, this is some problem. That's essentially with my bank account or like website. They could actually fix it very easily. Or mm-hmm. they could, I mean, give me some credit for something. Nowadays, you will call them. First, you need to pass lots of these kind of bots to talk with the agent. And at the end, the agent says, sorry, I need to do exactly <laughs> the same thing that you are need to do it. I need to submit it. I cannot manually attack. I mean, change right. anything, manipulate anything. So in some sense, we are already enslaved by this technology mm. and this robot. At this point, maybe some actors essentially contributing that again, not even one actor or several of them. Sometimes it might be the bad actor, but the issue is that these bad, bad actors, they, I mean, yes, that might be some kind of transactory time that is like that, but these actors may die themselves as well. And mm. at that time, and also even the action of these guys can be replaced essentially by robots. Mm. So this can be some kind of intermediate that some humans, they can essentially, again, this, if you think about the other way that I mentioned that at the end, maybe there's a combination of robots and humans that they will continue. And then it's good from human remains between these robots and they will continue. Then you don't feel that much bad. But yeah, in the yeah. short term, it might be the case these people, they try to abuse these things, but that might be for limited time because they will be replaced by robots themselves. Or the yeah, so I think like, well, yeah, one one thing here, if I try to like generalize is like, um, if if like the actions happen to be in the service of, one individual or select few individuals then it's you know generally like bad like how we define good is good for the general public good for kind of maximal benefit in the society so um, you know like i think if we can come up with approaches that uh, allow us to uh, 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 kind of categorically uh, like optimize for the general benefit maybe that like moves us down the path of of like being able to be robust against these uh bad actors and like one example of this i think can be you know like um i mean like we know for a fact twitter and facebook and and, and these companies already have had massive influences in like big social decisions like elections uh, you know exactly. who how like those are like topics of interpretation but like did they call did they have an impact is like you know absolutely right like that's unquestionable and so as these models are more pervasive and have more capabilities uh that are more widespread like the, that amplifies the risk of exactly like you mentioned like one actor being able to influence people in a much broader way than was possible before previously like for you to campaign you have to go to each and every individual location give a speech there and maybe it came out in the press and and that's how it got circulated but these presses were all kind of local and distributed 
And then the internet made all of that much easier to kind of have one platform to kind of have your voice propagate through. But like uh, in terms of mitigations, like uh, like uh, to me, the, like this is why like open source becomes so important because uh, if just like with blockchain too, like the, the biggest uh, attraction of blockchain was that um, the, the blocks are all kind of public. Right. And, and you have access to everybody has access to the ledger. Everybody can kind of view it. And there are potentially certain protocols that make sure that uh, no entity can kind of control it. Now, we talked about in a previous episode, uh, the limitations of that and, and how um, like the evolution of it actually takes uh, blockchain away from those specific goals. But if we think of that from an AI perspective as well, like how might we go about creating these AIs in a way that preserves uh, common good as an optimization objective might be an interesting thing to look at as well. Yeah, and I think uh, this is the thing. So like, as we know, when we talk about uh, evolution, we talk about billions of years that we are here mm-hmm. and we are there essentially. And I think if you remember, we talked actually one person at Google, like he was, he was one of these people who was working specifically in this type of thing in at Google about this kind of LLM. I think he mentioned actually that for him having something like ChatGPT, he expected something like 2060 happens. And mm-hmm. now we are 2023 and we are talking right. about applications of this. Right. So with such a speed that we are going, I think it would be very hard. It might be very short time. I mean, like a short time, again, short comparing to this billion of years that we have been here. That might be a short time that some bad actor, they can control the things. But all of this idea of essentially become open source and others, like one person, it would be very hard for one person to try to do that. And the issue that as long as actually this number of people who are controlling our numbers, they essentially die after some point. It's not mm. that easy that they can get these things. And generally, it is actually hard. Even this is the case that's actually seen very interestingly. Like I see lots of people who are scientists themselves, but their children are not scientists. Lots of mm-hmm. this, like you have Einstein. But I mean, we don't have maybe I think one other person from his I mean uh, nephew. Uh, one of these from his family was also famous. I think in some particular area of science. But you don't hear mm. anything. So in some mm. sense, yes, you may get it for something. And the issue is that here you need actually good uh, science. And this is, I think, again, something that you really, I mean, yes, you may get a bad actor, you may get some scientists, but the scientists at the end, if you don't have those science of those scientists, mm-hmm. it, you cannot control because they control you essentially. Mm. So in some sense, the, you need to have the science to go there. And it is not the case that you may have it, but your son may not have it. And mm-hmm. not a good scientist. It might be as interested in some other thing. So this is controlling in the long term would be very hard. And okay. as I mentioned, this is the evolution that should come essentially. Short term, yes, happen. Some countries, yes, it can happen for several years, maybe 30, 40, 100 years may happen for one country. But eventually, essentially, this kind of evolution will go away. And I think that's my current thing that actually would be something like this kind of thing, because that's the thing that gives much more capability that if some part of me, some or like humans in general is using these robots, that is some kind of survival because other then they can go to everywhere in the world, essentially. Mm-hmm. The, large has, the world is so large that there are lots of other opportunities for the people can go and invest on it. And I think these are also, I don't know, I don't want to end it with this thing, sad story, but I think there are current uh, uh, theories that say that, I mean, current world is expanding, but at some uh-huh. point falls apart. 
So mm-hmm. yeah, they may go all the time and then falls and falls and I don't know what will happen. Everything will go to nothing. Uh, yeah, but but again, this is like something that. Uh, but yeah, I think it is in some sense be over. I mean, scared about it. Mm-hmm. I don't know whether yes, you may lose your job and you can't say mm-hmm. there's no money. But I think in the long term, probably the evolution is the one that so far came. This I mean, this far it came and probably will proceed. It's a very fast speed. Also, yeah. So. I think, you know, that that's probably like a good place for us to close as well. On the short term, we anticipate a lot of like potential changes because of these models. Uh, over time, it's actually very challenging to like control uh, these things. So uh, they're probably not going to be like the most pessimistic future we think of today. And in, in the pace of, of evolution will certainly accelerate. Yeah, and as you mentioned, I think these are some of these. I think, I mean, for a while we can <laughs> use this one if because we, like maybe a robot does not enjoy that much to go, essentially. I don't know. Maybe it can actually go to the <laughs> beach or something like this. But at least now with this kind of auto-GPT, these are some kind of secretarial work that actually takes lots of time. One of the things mm-hmm. that I try to avoid travel after COVID is like it's a long, I mean, it's a very long process. Effort you need to do all of this. A lot of time you need to spend maybe for a few hours. And then all of this can be done by uh, auto GPT or something like this, essentially. <laughs> so that is much better, essentially, much uh, like you have very smart assistant who can help you, essentially, on that. Very good, I mean, feeling, essentially, at least for a while. But maybe <laughs> you don't need that vacation or this yeah. assistant anymore. Yeah, uh, thanks a lot. I think that was a very nice one. I think we talked, started around some more technical things, some philosophical things, we talked about several things. And of course, we talk about uh, e-commerce, about like when the when this launch or other this other thing that we talk uh, auto GPT line chain uh, I mean palm one palm two and uh, image binds etc. Anything else you want to add? No, I think this is you know probably good to close out this specific part and yeah I think I think we should do a few more of these it's like the uh, landscape is evolving really quickly so it'll be interesting uh, to log. Uh, you know, where we were at with this conversation and then talk about like what changed in terms of our understanding in the next episode as well. Yeah, it's because I think like, like this uh, this information that we were talking like two two months ago, we had the previous one actually. <laughs> a lot of things have been changed there essentially. Yeah. All of these new applications, I mean, like, we expected at that time, but now they become more apparent and they are going very fast as speed essentially. So maybe in a month or two again, we will come with a new yeah, thing. absolutely. And, uh, a uh, new thing, uh, new uh, potentials essentially for e-commerce and beyond the thing. Yeah. Uh, thanks everyone for uh, coming to this. Uh, I mean, the eighth installment of this potentials of e-commerce and retail and beyond. Uh, and we were talking this one about ChatGPT and the previous one also we talked about ChatGPT. And all of these are available at the YouTube and also podcast. Everything if you search. I mean. Uh, my name, and uh, I think uh, Nishan also put it in his LinkedIn and Twitter as well. So you can uh, watch all of them and hopefully you will enjoy. Send us any email if we can help you on some of these things that we are working. We will be happy actually to help your business on that one. And yeah, that's it, I think. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. Enjoy and, the rest uh, of your day, everyone. All the best. Yeah. Uh, bye for now. Thank you.